The Drive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we experiment with ideas and activities to do with cars and transport. I'm David Brown, and in the program this week we look at news stories with David Campbell, including Jaguar and Land Rover vehicles of the future will help combat motion sickness. Overdrive's resident artist, Dean Oliver, drives a 12-year-old Subaru. We put him in a new model and test his reaction. We hear a motoring minute on the new BMW M5 and Errol Smith and I take a sunny look at some weird and wonderful news stories about cars and transport, including Volvo customizers Stan Smith's Adidas shoes. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or you can podcast previous programs on iTunes. So to start the program, here's the news. Despite continuing increases in national sales of SUVs in September, the overall vehicle market in Australia declined over the month, according to the latest VFAX data. National vehicle sales for September reached 94,700 units, down 5.5% from September 2017. Significantly, overall passenger car sales now account for just under one-third of the total market. Despite the September fall in passenger car sales, SUV sales climbed 6.2%, underpinned by a significant gain in small SUVs of 25.7%. Furthermore, there was considerable growth in the sale of large SUVs. During the month, light commercial sales fell by 2.3%, despite this category once again taking out the top two selling models. Toyota again led with an 18.4% share of the September market, followed by Hyundai, Mitsubishi, Mazda and Nissan. The Queensland Government is planning to issue defect notices to owners of over 2,000 vehicles fitted with the dangerous Alpha-type Takata airbags. The move could lead to the cancellation of registration if Alpha Takata airbags are not replaced within 21 days. Queensland's decision builds on moves in South Australia and soon in Tasmania to refuse vehicle registration to affected vehicles. It is suggested that motorists follow up and act on the information available via the website ismyairbagsafe.com.au or the Facebook page Is My Airbag Safe. Car owners can simply enter their plate and state into the website's online tool and receive an immediate response about their airbag status. Volvo Australia is defying the general market slowdown and the decline in the prestige and luxury car sector with a sales growth this year of over 44%, which will take the Chinese-owned Swedish brand past 6,000 units for the first time. Volvo has just posted nearly 700 sales in October for a 68% increase over the corresponding month last year, bringing its year-to-date total to 5,616 units. This places it just short of its 2016 all-time record, a record that will be broken during November. The company owes everything to its SUV model range with the XC40, the midsize XC60, as well as the XC90 and the V90 cross-country. Volvo's passenger car model range is now basically down to just the V40 Compact and the S90 Luxury Sedan, with the S60 not troubling the VFAC statisticians for the past four months with stocks running dry. 
An operational Queensland police Kia Stinger has been shipped to Las Vegas for display at the annual SEMA, or Specialty Equipment Market Association show. The right-hand car drive's appearance at SEMA appears to be a fishing expedition by Kia for potentially global police car sales after the successful foray into police business by Kia Motors Australia. The Queensland Police have ordered 72 of the 272 kilowatt twin-turbo V6 Stingers. VA Police has 50 Stingers on order, while the Northern Territory and South Australian Police have the Stinger under assessment. Vietnam will host a Formula One Grand Prix for the first time in April 2020. A multi-year deal has been agreed to stage a race on the streets of the capital, Hanoi. It's the first new addition to the calendar under Liberty Media's ownership of the sport. Vietnam will become Formula One's fourth street race, joining Monaco, Singapore and Azerbaijan. It will also be the fourth race in Asia, joining China, Japan and Singapore. The 5.5km circuit will have 22 turns and features long straights, one of which is 1.5km in length. This should see cars reach speeds of around 335km per hour. General Motors is preparing to launch two types of e-bikes, which are set to go on sale next year. The bikes will be equipped with electric motors that will allow bikers to ride, pedal or pedal up steep terrain with some assistance. The bikes will come in two types, a folding bike and a compact bike. It's unclear whether the e-bikes will be sold for personal ownership or launched in rental fleets similar to existing bike shares or the electric scooters that have recently grown in popularity. GM's foray into e-bikes also builds on the company's plan to reduce emissions, calling for a future without fossil fuel pollution. The automaker is planning to introduce 20 electric or fuel cell-powered vehicles by 2023. Many people struggle to ride in or drive cars due to motion sickness. Jaguar and Land Rover have announced that future vehicles from the brands will help to cure motion sickness. The vehicles will integrate technology that can tell if you aren't feeling well and adjust settings to help you feel better. Jaguar Land Rover says its research into motion sickness has found techniques to reduce the effects of motion sickness by 60%. And that has been the news. How do you react when you get in a new car for the first time depends on the car you are currently driving. Dean Oliver, our resident artist here at Overdrive, owns and drives a 2006 Subaru Forester. We gave him a new Subaru Forester for the weekend. Here we record his thoughts from just sitting in the car for the first time. The key, the key thing mm. uh, in my pocket here, mm. of course it's got the push start. Oh, that's a little different. Is, the technology is extraordinary. I'm not quite not quite sure I'm absolutely comfortable with it. And You can walk away from the car mm. with the key in your pocket and the car still running. Yes. And yes. then the car can still run off, but where if it stops a long way away, you'll never start it again unless you get the key to that. the car. Yes, yes. Um, can somebody hop in and start the car while I'm nearby? Nearby, possibly, but mm. it should uh, possibly not start it unless you're very close and it has to be inside. But yes. it is very much the case that you don't have to have the key physically mm -hmm. locked, if you pardon the expression, to the car for it to go. And so, if I lock myself in the car and it deadlocks, will I die? 
I don't know. Make a good story. <laughs> Leave the camera in the car, David. <laughs> the, the dying phone call I wanted it to be to us. Right. right. Okay. Yes. Hello. Yes. Just before we go, <clears throat> Dean, you did the oh, a classical music, of course. Terms yes. and conditions there. <laughs> Terms and conditions. T's and C's apply. Okay. Uh, Dean, did you set up the facial recognition? No, but it did warn me several times that... Um, well, about your face. Yes, yeah. Well, there was a, it was a sort of a, I think, a cloaked threat that something was going to happen unless I, my, I looked at the road again. So somehow it knew that... Um, oh, yeah. you weren't paying attention as much as it wanted you to. Well, no. How does it know if you're picking your nose when you're driving? Well, yeah, stop that. It can be like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> a hand comes out, slaps your wrist. And I'm wondering, where, how does it know? Where, where's the sensor? How does it know that my eyes are looking down here for longer than they should be? Well, the other thing is, it can remember your face and therefore remember your seat settings. That's scary. I notice over here, there's, um, would that be the seat adjustment memory? There's one and yes. two. Yes. So, yeah. But I believe it can also do it through facial recognition, but I haven't spent the two hours to work out <laughs> how necessary I did note that might. That the, I did note, David, that the um, instruction manual, for the owner's manual for the car, is 577 pages. When I went looking for a light on the dash that I didn't know what was. 577 pages. Yes. Uh, yeah. I found I found the owner's manual for my ex uh, Datsun 1600 <laughs> the other day. A genuine 1968 oh, yes. Datsun 1600. The owner's manual was 37 pages. <laughs> and it included such gems that you need to know, like how to adjust the timing. The oh, points okay. in the distributor. Ah. How to change a fan belt. Oh, this one says don't even think about <laughs> going close to Everything that. is qualified by return the car to the dealer. <laughs> Layout, a little bit more Layout, style. Extraordinary. Uh, lights, camera, flashing lights, uh, everything's there. Uh, the old car had just the, the, the bare minimum. Mm. Um, it told you that the airbag was working. It told you, well, we hope it was working. There's just so much here. There's... Um, icons that, uh, as I said, I went looking at the owner's manual to find out what they are. Fuel gauges which tell you how much, you've, how far to go uh, before they're empty. Uh, litres per 100 kilometres. Fuel economy. Um, and you're just looking at this one. There's another one up here. Absolutely. And there's another, another one, one down here. here, of course. And if we and to reverse, there's, there's a little camera on the passenger side wing mirror, which uh, points down at the <sighs> ground. Yes. And uh, show, which, at first I scoffed, and then I thought, no, no. But then I, I I came to enjoy using it. It was mm. good. I found it quite valuable. Mm. As indeed, um, anything that saves scratching, uh, I'm sure, very expensive mag wheels. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it gives you the two pictures. It's not just straight out the back. It's your curb line as yes, well. Yes, that's right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And of course, a spectacular rear vision, uh, which is which is yes. amazing. Uh, once again, I thought, never ever going to want one of those. But after just a day of using it, wow, it's, uh, it's on my list of things I want in my next car. <laughs> And that was Dean Oliver getting in the latest version of the Subaru Forester. The full interview can be heard at drivenmedia.com.au and a video will appear soon. You're listening to Overdrive. Here's a motoring minute with Rob Fraser from anyauto.com.au. BMW has just launched the M5 competition which is the premium standalone sports model of the 5 Series. 
Subtle styling with supercar performance all wrapped up in a family car is the essence of the latest M5. The highly specced Australian version tempts buyers with a level of luxury and comfort similar to the 7 Series. However, underneath the slightly muscular exterior beats a thumping 4.4 litre V8 that produces a stunning 460 kilowatts of power and an amazing 750 newton metres of torque from as low as 1800 revs per minute. This will rocket the M5 competition from 0 to 100 kilometres an hour in just 3.3 seconds. On the launch, I had the opportunity to test the M5 at Eastern Creek Raceway, and the result is that if I had a cool $230,000 to spare, I would be lining up to place my order. I love the fact that you can drive around all day in traffic without fuss, yet access phenomenal performance, ride and handling with the slightest push of the accelerator. If that isn't enough, there are performance and luxury options to individualise your chariot as well. You're listening to Overdrive. And to complete the program, let's have a look at some unusual stories to do with motoring and transport. And on the line, I have Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. Now, Brian can't be with us today. His child has had chicken pox, and so he's had the vaccine, Varivax, which I'm told the side effects can be pain, redness, bruising, swelling at the injection joint, fever, mild chicken pox-like skin rash, runny or stuffy nose, cough, sore throat, headache, tired feeling, sleep problems, joint or muscular pain, nausea, vomiting, stomach pain or diarrhoea. For some reason, he just doesn't want to come on the program. Yeah, I don't see what the problem is. No, that pretty well describes our conversation, doesn't it? It doesn't beg the question, why would anyone ever get the shot? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'd rather have the chicken pox. It sounds, sounds like less trouble. Brian and I, uh, a week or two ago, did speak about noises, that uh, warning sounds that we might have in cars that are more appropriate. Sometimes the buzzing of lane departure warnings and that can become so incessant, or maybe a reflection of our driving, but so incessant that you want to turn it off. And that is indeed a genuine concern of some of the truck driving fraternity that the sound might be so annoying as to be one to discourage you either paying attention to it or, as I say, turning it right off. One of them Mm. we've mentioned before, Errol, was uh, the possibility of having more appropriate sounds if the car detects a push bike in the back left corner of the car. It might give the sound of a push bike bell from the speaker in the back left corner of the car. Brian had a lovely line that if the car detects a motorbike beside you, it could give you the sound of your reversing mirror being smashed. He's good, isn't he? (laughs) You're tarring so many many, um, law-abiding motorcyclists with the the one brush, aren't you? Yes, I know. I know. (laughs) Just in the last week, we heard that Lincoln will use the Detroit Symphony Orchestra to create alert chimes for their aviator SUV. Errol, could that be a more melodic way to give you sounds of certain warnings? What do you think? Well, I, I think it depends on your taste in music because if you like classical music, then you might enjoy the sound so much because ah. it sounds like they're incredibly professionally re- produced. Yes, you might enjoy the sound so much that you'll actually drive worse to make all the um, warnings go off. I feel like a little Wagner. I'll just drive too close to the car in front of me. <laughs> the flip side could be that you hate classical music and you just turn, you turn them all off as quickly as you can. Well, that's true. 
The idea of a diva hitting a high C doesn't necessarily appeal to me. No. What's wrong with the good with a good old fashioned electric buzzer that's so annoying it makes you put your seatbelt on or shut the door immediately? It's always worked for me. It evokes, to my mind, some poor images. You know, since Pavarotti died, and I think we covered it on Overdrive, what, it must be a couple of years ago now, there was this incessant playing of Ness and Dorma Mm. from Turandot. And I always find that a lot of those male tenors are like the bodybuilders of singing. And that is that, Someone who looks muscular looks fine, looks fit and muscular, but if you strain to that nth degree, it suddenly becomes almost grotesque. Yes. A really good singer, to my mind, is someone who can sing softly and sing well. Yes. Whereas a lot of the Ness and Dormer type things is this final big note with the veins sticking out from the neck and a sort of look of sheer horror almost on their face. <laughs> you think something's going to rupture. But they're trying to make sure that the, the person in the back row 300 metres away can still hear them properly without an amplifier. <laughs> the greatest performance I have of Ness and Dorma, to my mind, is Chris Botti playing it on the trumpet. That's the instrumental version, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't understand the words anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but this could be like that, where you, you they make something brilliant, but you hear it so much you hate it. Ah, yes. You just learn to loathe it after a while. The other thing that concerns me is that there are there's 25 different alerts that they've made music for, and if every alert is different, and there's 25 of them, you're going to have to like sit through some kind of audiobook training in order to learn what the car is telling you. This is a bit like tasting wine, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to go to an nth degree if you really want to understand it yeah. as much as it's meant to be. My great concern is that finally when a whole pile of people go to an opera or an orchestra, and they hear, da-da-da-da, most of them will start moving to the right because they think they've wandered in the lane. <laughs> Some guys scream, get out of the way, you mug. You know, it's, it's- I think that you should be able to change it if you don't like classical music, and I think you should be able to lo- load your own heavy metal alert chimes. That'll, you know, yes. if you're falling asleep, that'll definitely wake you up again. ACDC. Hmm. Yes, yes. We talked with Brian that there was a circumstance. What related to this particularly is that the pilot in an aeroplane often, if well, not often, but if there is a an emergency, there's buzzers and warning and lights flashing, and that if there then is a further emergency of the right-hand engine catching fire, if it starts buzzing, it's almost lost within the cacophony of sound. Right. And so the better warning might well be the voice of the pilot's child saying, Daddy or Mummy, your right-hand engine is, is on fire. Well, I was actually thinking when we're talking about the 25 different alerts that realistically no one's ever going to learn them all because you could probably own the car for 10 years and never hear them all, mm. you know, unless you're a terrible driver. But it would just be simpler if there was a voice that said, left door open. Yes, boot open, left lane alert, 
I've told the story a number of times of uh, Peugeot started beeping at me a convertible and I had no idea why. I rang up Peugeot, turned out the kids had played with it and not shut the roof quite properly. <laughs> well, well, I'd got out and slammed doors and... Yes, yes. Because it told you that there was something wrong, but it didn't tell you what. Mm. The most infuriating thing of an automobile. <laughs> Some parents are like that, aren't they? Yes. You've made me so mad. Well, why? Well, you know what it's about. No, I don't. You know what you did. Actually saying that, it actually reminds me of computers because they have equally meaningless alerts. They just say, you know, error 7123, Hmm. which means the boot's open. There has been a cultural thing that does give orchestral music to practical well, somewhat practical situations. I refer, of course, to Bugs Bunny. <laughs> right? So if I hear a bit of classical music, I might be looking for the Roadrunner. Yes. Or Wile E. Coyote or someone. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it might be showing your age, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story of a pizza hut in America, well, the Pizza Hut people in America, they developed what they call the kitchen. It's a miniature pizza factory, and they put it in the back of a ute. And, of course, it's America. It's not the usual ute. It's the Toyota Tundra, yes, which is enormous and that. But it's all automated, and it can make a pizza on the spot. Errol, do you see this as a cultural revolution or the end of the world as we know it? Well, my concern here, David, is that the pizza is made by a robot. Mm. I want it cooked by an underpaid, pimply teenager who makes it burnt on the outside and soggy in the middle, like all the other cheap pizzas that I've got. (laughs) It might aim for perfection when really you want character. Yes. (laughs) And let's face it, no, Pizza Hut is, is, is not exactly at the top of the crop in terms of, you know, gourmet pizza. So does it really matter how it gets to you? Well, that's true, yes. You get an, a lousy pizza, but it's made in a fun way. <laughs> it's made by a robot on the back of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> what if it goes around a curve a bit too quickly? Does you, do you sort of get a, you know, a calzone because the pizza folded over on itself? I thought it might be like a frisbee. It sort of flies <laughs> out at an angle. Well, maybe that's how they deliver it to you. Yeah, our good uh, late departed friend, Bob Carruthers, got uh, linked up with the American barbecue set and became a judge for it. And he would go over to the place where they make uh, one of the Scotch whiskies or something, and they had this huge event, and guys would turn up with trailers not not just a little box trailer, but a huge triple-wheeled trailer full of all the barbecue gear that's done to an nth degree. And, you know, it's, if you pardon the expression, I, I find it overkill, let, let alone the amount of fat and, and meat products, which probably... It's overkill for roadkill. <laughs> boom, boom. But then, you know, someone's going to tow one of these things around or have the thing just for themselves, you know? Let's face it, it's for themselves to show off, isn't it? The thing that I think that they're trying to seriously do here is that they're basically trying to make a pizza, you know, a pizza hut on a, on the road, effectively, so they can service areas that they couldn't otherwise service. Yes. So, you know, perhaps there's something good there for someone who's, who's really drunk and really wants a pizza. Can you get it to cook while it's driving to you, or does it have to stop outside your house and then cook it? 
I don't know. It seems the other thing that concerns me is that everything seems quite exposed. Like there's basically a couple of robot arms and some cardboard boxes sitting in the back of the ute. Okay. Doesn't seem that hygienic to me, although we are talking about cheap pizzas here, so it's probably redundant. Does it have a dumpster out the back? <laughs> well, I actually expected the oven to be just over the engine because they could kill two birds with one stone. Oh, yes. Uh, cooking on the engine is quite a thing. Mm. And the, yeah. Yeah. Are you into fashion, Errol? I'm talking here about uh, the shoes. <laughs> no, and all of my friends would agree. <laughs> yes. And sporting fashion, Adidas shoes that are owned by or are being customised by Stan Smith. He's a tennis player, apparently. Right. right. Obviously, know him well. <laughs> okay, so for a charity, good idea. He customises a pair of uh, seven, five or seven pairs of shoes and they auction them off and they do it with a Volvo style and that's its link to motoring. So it has things like the tongue was a clear black plastic piece representing the black roof and sunroof of the rugged trucklet. The ankle surround and interior was crafted from the same orange lava-felted fabric available on the door cards and carpets of uh, one of the Volvo cars. Now, would you wear those with pride? Because I always thought that Toyota, some of the Toyota cars were really like a pair of sensible shoes. They weren't mm. elegant, but they were functional. Mm. These, of course, are the... The ultra safe shoes. I was, I was wondering, you know, aside from all that, that you know, wonderful material work, do they also have seven airbags and a five star end cap rating? If you roll your ankle, three airbags come out and protect it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, my problem with, though with those days, it's, it's a very simple one. I didn't recognise them as Volvo shoes because they weren't in the box. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yes, that's very good. <laughs> Boxy shape indeed. Well, could other car manufacturers do along this trend? And if so, what sort of shoe might they have? I always thought that if Holden had have done some thongs, they'd still be making cars in Australia today. <laughs> Never get out of business, yeah. They'd have to re completely rename all their vehicle line for the, uh, for the US market because they, they think they're, they think they're um, some you know, stringy underwear. Yes. I actually don't think it would be very hard for anyone to enter this market because I'm looking at these shoes and they look like a pair of pretty normal sports shoes with a Volvo kind of sticker on them. Mm. It's just really, I really, I really don't see much. But if you, I'm sure if you're into these shoes, they're the bee's knees and it's, it's, it's innovative and amazing. It's something, though, like any car, that if you have to explain its looks then perhaps it's not doing its job. <laughs> yes, perhaps, perhaps your market's a little bit too niche. <laughs> <laughs> the guys from Pixar did a car-style interpretation of the XC40 on one of their shoes, complete with windshield eyes and air intake mouth. Right. Okay. All right, like they did with all the other vehicles in cars. <laughs> yes. Errol, lovely to talk to you. We'll catch up next week as well. Thanks for your time. No worries, David. That's Errol Smith, and we were talking some quirky news here on Overdrive.
and this has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Campbell, Dean Oliver, Errol Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.